Hello again, and welcome to episode 28 of Killing the Great White Male. We left off last time in our conversation with Nicola about hood feminism by Mickey Kendall, talking about the right to safety, which is different than a right to comfort. And it goes all sorts of places. I'm tempted to go again on one of these, but I think we need to get back to this conversation. So let's dive right back on in. And this isn't this isn't my words. Um, I, I highly encourage anybody who hasn't to check out the surge manual on dismantling and interrogating white supremacy and decolonizing the self, because that was one of the things that I read that I was like, oh, I get it. And I get why. Um, fundamentally, I try to ask people who I know who are like me, who are able to hold uncomfortable feelings in their head while they work through something. And and because I'm trying to teach this, right? I teach this to my students. I teach this to friends. It's what allows me to be successful. And unfortunately, when I ask people like, where did you learn that over and over and over again, it's like abuse or trauma. And it's like, oh. okay, I don't want to have to put you through that. Yeah. For you to, like that's safety. That's not discomfort. Yes. And, but in a society that requires the muting of emotions, as she mm -hmm. so rightly points out, we conflate the two. Exactly. And that's what I'm seeing all this week is that somebody just pointing out the facts of a situation winds up getting yelled at for how dare you attack the person. It was like, well, they didn't attack the person. They didn't even name the person. They named the, the rules of the situation. No, and, but I was um, ready to attack. Right. <laughs> like, there's that part of me that's just like, you know what, at this point, just kick it off, buddy. Please do. Well, and I'm, uh, anybody who's gotten into an argument with me, um, A, what's, what's fascinating, like, I'm learning to parse this. It's, I've had a, a year to sit down with myself instead of traveling all the time. Um, that most people don't realize that I, I fight first, right? Fight, yes. flight, fawn, freeze. I fight. Yep. And that fight is not an attack on them. That is when I am melting down. Yes. Um, yeah. And what I what I didn't realize was that people think that that's when I am in control and coming after them. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm melting down and retreating. Yeah. But that it looks different. And similarly, because of because I am in a fe very female coded body, no matter whether my mm -hmm. head is shaved or not, because like I am horribly bad at the people pleasing and demure demurity that I was told would be the key to my success. I cannot do it. Yep. And so I have chosen another path. And thank but God. <laughs> well, you say thank God, right? Like it's, it's like, I can, I can equitably see where I am discounted for it. Yeah. Right. I can see, I can lay it out, but a big part of uh, like what has become my toolbox is what I call the great reference librarian in my brain. The more into fight I get, the faster I get with facts and figures and receipts. Holy <laughs> because shit. My, yeah, my, my immediate, my end line argument is, but am I incorrect? Yeah. Can I find a fact? Yep. Because that is the one thing that we can't argue. Like, you can be upset with how I present the fact, but it's still a fact. Like, data can't lie. It doesn't know how. It's neutral. Yeah. We, can, we can manipulate how we present it, but it's still the truth. And, and this is what I keep running into is God, that overwhelmingly I have somebody back up and get into these same things that she's calling out here of, you need to say that nicer. Why are you attacking me? Yep. And over and over I'm having to point out – you are you are asking for your comfort because you presume this is a safe space because it's safe for you. Yep. 
Oh, God. And that is like such a through line through so many, like when we get into maternal mortality, when we get into um, fear and mm. feminism, when we get into missing and murdered, yeah. we have these, or, you know, the hood doesn't hate smart people is the way this, this these chapter are all is titled. Chapters of the book for the record, folks. Yep. Like it, she just like, bam, bam, bam. Anyway, yeah. Continue. You're going. Um, but the, the, when we get into that, like, that overwhelmingly part of what we have to look at is that one group's comfort puts another group, makes another group unsafe. Yes. And, and this is where, like, as we're talking around this education point, yep. cops and schools are such a key discussion. Yes. Yeah. Because, it, it, again, we assume that cops and schools make them safer when, in fact, all they do is increase the arrest rate. Mm-hmm. And and it can be argued and has been argued that it actually escalates things improperly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fact, overwhelmingly, it criminalizes and carceralizes yes. and punitively treats just the basic hallmarks of developmental childhood. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so why does that happen? Well, why does it happen disproportionately to people of color? Um, Maybe because our internal bias is that they seem older to us because cross-racial, like, even though race doesn't exist, our perception of race is still very powerful. And cross-racial age identification is virtually fucking impossible. Like, it's been shown time and time again that we don't know how to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. We're bad at it. Um, so yeah, so a 14 year old black kid gets treated like a black man. Just, yeah, and, and when we see the adultification, yes, right. When we see the presumption, when you like, it is stomach churning, but it was there in the early trials. When we look at how black girls were presumed during the trial of R. Kelly, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and the, like, well, she knew it, like, no, no, those are yeah. children. Yes. Yes. I, okay. <laughs> so there's. What, Where do you want to go? <laughs> well, uh, so the next, the next thing that like was highlighted for me was around um, that I, I think still. So Why? I think one of the things that I appreciate that she, uh, that Kendall does so well, uh, is she asks, she, she risks asking the question, so why do white feminists hold on to their privilege so hard around this stuff? Um, and she, she addresses what I, uh, some, well, I, I think it's her assertion. I'm not sure there's evidence for this, but her assertion is, is on one page 170 about that. Um, irrationally, what white women seem to fear is that if they push back against the misogyny, then what power they currently have will be lost. In the same way that white men seem to see power as a zero-sum game, so white women want to cling to the agency and selfhood they feel they have fought so hard to achieve. They genuinely believe that by defending these avatars of the patriarchy, they will somehow benefit even if it is at the expense of everyone else. When you see casual racism from so-called feminist white women, 
You have to understand that whatever work they are willing to do to insulate themselves, they are willing to sacrifice others for their right to be equal oppressors. And I I actually make this exact argument for uh, what I call the great white male issue, because most of us as white men, I can't say I grab women by the pussy. They let me um, and, and, and still have work because I don't have absolute privilege. I have conditional privilege. So do I have more privilege than, uh, you know, than most women? Yes. Do I have more privilege than most people of color? Absolutely. There are a million tests like this that we can run, and I will come up as privileged. But there are limits to that, and it's deliberate. It is always about that to to circle back to, you know, my just kind of what probably feels like random, or, or, you know, bitching about the Greeks and their need to, like, parse everything. Um, But that's what this does. It's the parsing of our identities. So it's not just what's the lines that are drawn between Nicola and me. It's the lines that are drawn between parts of myself that are respectable and appropriate. It's, it's Mm -hmm. all of that that becomes the problem. And I become scared of losing what little I have because scarcity is the real evil. That's a capitalist problem. That's a problem with empire and colonialism. The real thing that sets this all up, I, I always go back to the fucking, the, the, the Bacon Rebellion issues. Before that, we saw white slaves outnumbering black slaves, but they were treated so similarly that they could unite. And the, the white male landowners, those with absolute privilege, figured out that they had to divide them. They had to cut them into bits because when they were divided and scared of each other, they could not unite again. And so they enacted policy that did exactly that. And they said, no more intermarrying. And uh, they made, you know, the one drop rules and all those things to to begin to be able to treat people worse than other people deliberately and ensconced in law. Like this is all right here on this little page when she talks about that, that power is a zero sum game. So white men, why aren't we sticking up more for BIPOC folks? Why aren't we sticking up more for women? Why aren't we getting involved? Because most of us don't have the power that fuckers like Donald Trump do we don't like do we stand to lose a little privilege yeah okay you're gonna lose your fucking teacup well and one of the things that sticks out to me um it doesn't matter which group we're talking about or where we are is that these cycles repeat right you're referring to the bacon rebellion yes on how on how whiteness was parsed to the lower poverty classes to allow them to be above Yep. And to give them a little bit of control so that they didn't fight the landowners. Because right? the white men but, had a hope of getting land one day, even right. though 90% of them never did and died poor and penniless. But we repeated the same fucking thing in the 30s and the 60s mm. in, in which immigrants were white and not, right? Oh, damn. And this, yep. is, this is when we get to... Um, So this is going to jump ahead, but it's the same framing on page 254. They have less power than they think anyone realizes, but like any small predator, they manage to be flashy enough to be seen. That right there (laughs) is what I will call the drug of being the model minority in this country. It's Um, the drug of having any bit of conditional privilege. Right. It's conditional. You act as it's conditional. You know it's conditional. Like, it's it's a thing that I watch— conditional 
We can't right? even admit in, it exists. In the lifetimes of my parents, they have been seen as both white and not white. Yes. By both themselves and others. All right. Say and something so it's a, about like, that. So it, this is a thing that I learned to parse out that neither of them will state out loud, and that's fine, right? Like, they're yeah. not on that journey. Um, and I, I go to, of all people, it's Will Smith, who, said, who, who put out there in a really well, concise way that intergenerational trauma repeats itself until someone sits down and feels it. Um, oh, damn. I'm the, right? Uh, it's, it, I love it. Because that is, like, I couldn't articulate what was going on and where the intersections and ar arguments within my family were happening um, until I started into some of the sociology of poverty classes I accidentally fell into when I was finishing. <laughs> like, I, I, I was an in-and-out student, um, but luckily I, I knew to carry my syllabi and term papers with me so that I could keep my units applying. Yeah. Um, and I just had to pick up units at the end because of the school that I was at. Like I, I was, I was, it, it's a fascinating story and we'll get into it some other day. Um, but the point is that I'm sitting in this class and it finally explained many segments of my family to me because I had a professor who went in on explaining when Jews became white, explaining when Italians were given whiteness, explaining yep. when the Irish were given whiteness, yep. even to Germans to an extent in this in this country, yes, that it was held out, right, and that this is part of why the ships were turned back, right? Like, yeah, when we get into why is the U.S. so involved in Israel, that's white guilt. That <laughs> the U.S. is so involved yep. in, in, in Israel because they tried to pay reparations out of somebody else's bank account. Well, and I, I, I would argue, did like the looting of Europe, right? Post World War II is was real. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. It, and still and is. still, right, like, and still, the American space program was built off of a guy who ran yeah. a concentration camp for it. Like, Operation Paperclip does not keep our hands clean. No. Um, There's nothing, like, and, oh, God, that whole thing. But that there was a difference of, okay, well, they're not quite right, but they're useful in yep. the 30s, that when we got to the civil rights arguments of the 60s, that again was used to break that down, and that similarly we see this we see this in um, labor organization history, yeah. right? Yep. Uh, that the 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 dirty background of unions, the problematic background of labor unions, yep. was that they allowed themselves to be turned into a racist tool to because split workers against each other. Are always the bad guy. They're mm -hmm. always the ones that we have to be against. Like in, instead of. Include, like, I mean, the second we include immigrants, the second we include the most disadvantaged, the second we include uh, 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 somebody who has needs that are larger than our own, the movement only gets stronger. Like, it, yep. Why do I fight for uh, the respect, well, for basic humanity for black women? Because I know. If, if they're treated like humans, I might actually get treated like a human instead of just another fucking great white male. Like that's, that's what this is about. I, mm. 
which is so on that vein i'm gonna jump to 180 and 181 and i'm gonna ah, jump around here yes! instead of reading through but here's the five points that i highlighted all right when some <laughs> victims are seen as disposable then eventually all victims are disposable regardless of white supremacist patriarchal claims to be invested in the protection of white womanhood it is yes. not enough to show up for the big battles unfortunately feminism has to show up for every battle or it can rapidly find itself nearly powerless to prevent moments like these. I'm going to jump over and, to... And she's referring there to the Kavanaugh situation, where we had mm -hmm. a perfect victim, a good white woman up there on display, articulating what happened to her, and it still didn't matter. And and that's... I, I, I think Kendall's argument around this is so powerful, I hadn't even thought about that. That yep. it, like, this is why... Yes. Okay. Anyway, continue. This is why test cases are useless and why the perfect victim does not exist. Yes. Right. So if we if we jump over to 181, there are no politicians running in any election who prioritize the concerns and needs of the poorest and most vulnerable. Lip service is paid to the idea, of course. But in execution, American politics and American politicians are largely responsive to money. Space yeah. is often given to the idea that what helps those with the most money will help those with the least. Mm. Yet we know that there is no such thing as trickle-down wealth, much less an effective top-down approach to helping the community. Being led by those with the least sounds counterintuitive, but in reality, the old adage about a rising tide or yes. lifting all boats is ironically an apt metaphor for what would be happening if white women voted like black women yes this is not to say that black women are automatically better prepared or better versed in politics in fact what is most common is that the poorest people are the best versed in what it takes to survive and what they need god this yep. this god. <laughs> i had i had these two bits underlined as well um except that part of me got totally derailed when she said there are no politicians running because i had a local person running uh for deb holland's uh congressional seat and it's the first time i've gotten involved in a grassroots campaign and like ran for office within the democratic party and stuff because i wanted her to get in uh because she's a, a local blm person like she was evicted last summer during during the beginning of the housing crisis wasn't given protection her husband was arrested because they were protesting stuff um it she's oh yeah yeah she she was everything I wanted um, the first time I felt wholeheartedly excited about a candidate. Um, of course, she didn't win the nomination. So sad day because um, unfortunately it only ends up bearing out exactly what Kendall says, which is, well, it's lip service again. Um, and our our constituency went with a white woman um, who ends up being... <sighs> Well, at least from the, the folks that were within the campaign that I was working on, um, they they said she actually is very responsive because she knows what she is not. Um, mm -hmm. And they enjoy working for her much more so than, than some of the other candidates that they worked for. Um, so I'm, I'm actually excited about it, but I'm still frustrated that we're going to replace Deb Holland, um, the first mm -hmm. indigenous... Uh, uh, human the first indigenous woman to uh head the secretary be secretary of the interior we're gonna replace her with a white woman i just can't fucking i just can't fucking anyway um mm -hmm. <laughs> so there we go that was well and 
what what I love about this is that it it open it reminds us to open the discussion to help might look different to those who need help than what we think looks good to giving it to them. Yes. Um, and this is a conversation that came up in the last week uh, that I was having with somebody who who was like, you know, the, that um, President Biden has announced that he's going to continue to withdraw the troops in Afghanistan at the end of that conflict, at the end of the U.S.'s involvement yep. in the ongoing local com- conflict. Um, and it's difficult, right? There's There's a lot of things that's fraught with. There's a lot of things that brings up. But one of the things that stuck out to me, um, and it's, again, a place where only, like, I'm not patting myself on the back at, about this. Please understand that. Like, this is not an allyship cookie moment. This is just a, like, oh, fuck, I hear what's going on. Yes. One yeah. of the things that's interesting is, like, we're not good at sitting and listening to what people are asking for yep. and how they're impacted. Um, and one of the things we don't talk about is that underneath the issue of um, free college and forgiving student debt and completely re- reinventing how we do that mm-hmm. is that fundamentally there is a wealth tax on education that is the U.S. military's volunteer protocols. Wealth tax on education that is the U.S. military's volunteer protocols. There's a whole lot of unpacking on this one. It, it just like so many other programs that were about the betterment and uh, of of our society in general, and that gave people access to to more things. It's been cut away, uh, just like all the social safety net programs in this country that have just been trashed as this country moved farther and farther uh, toward the the. The extreme, well, toward, we are in the extreme right wing to the point that even our left-leaning folks would be moderates anywhere, any place else in the country or in the world. But regardless, um, this is this is an, an important, vital bit right here. There's a lot of writing on the school-to-prison pipeline. There's a lot of writing on the military-industrial complex. This is a rather unique little bit, um, this wealth tax on education that is the U.S. military's volunteer protocols that combines the best and worst of, of well, <laughs> really it's just the worst, of both of those systems. But it's, it's, it's again, the way that, that money gets transferred into the pockets often of private universities that are soaking that are, are religious fundamentalist organizations, uh, especially in this country right now, um, or are straight-up scams, uh, that are soaking the U.S. government for student loan money, especially then by gathering that money through college tuition repayment programs on the part of people who are serving in the U.S. military. And and then we're, we're using... Again, largely BIPOC folks, folks of, uh, who are people of color, a variety of colors, to go out into the world in in places where people people's pigmentation and, and melanation is darker. So we're using people of color to shit on other people of color uh, as we try to police the world. The, 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 the entirety of this system is so fuckered, it, it can't even can't even begin to be articulated here. It okay. So anyway, there's there's a lot there. Uh, I think it's 
Well, we'll dive back into it next time, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's what we'll do. We'll talk more on this soon. Talk to you soon.